Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Aired Out Podcast. I am your host, Rive Goose Gosker, here with you as always. Episode 51 coming at you. I'm going with a little Dick Butkus action uh, back in the day. And uh, a little Bernie Williams, who was also a musician, along with being a baseball player for the Yankees. So I think those are two pretty good guys. I'm joined by my co-host, Jolan Bioqua, in studio again. Jolan, I know you've got a couple good names there. Yeah, um, got baseball guys here. We could go with Randy Johnson or my favorite, Ichiro Suzuki, best Mariners in baseball history. All you Kenny Griffin fans can cry. 3,000-plus hits, 10-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Gloves, 7 AL hits leader, 3 Silver Slugs, 2-time MLB batting champion, MLB stolen base leader, AL MVP and Rookie of the Year and future Hall of Famer. That's who I'm starting the show with. That is that is very interesting. There's a lot to discuss there with Ken Griffin. That's a whole that's a whole separate debate for a different show. And then you talk about Randy Johnson, the bird murderer, uh, who hit a bird <laughs> with a pitch. Um, obviously, we, you know we mean no malicious intent behind that statement. But Randy Johnson did hit a bird with a pitch in the middle of a Major League Baseball game, which you could argue is one of the more impressive things he's done in his entire career, let alone all the strikeouts he's got, innings pitched, complete games, all this crap. You know, he nailed that bird. And I don't think we'll, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. And like, it's like two bullets colliding. The chances yeah. of that happening are so rare that the fact that we have it on camera is going to be a spectacle for our whole lives. Yep. And speaking of what we got on camera, Jolan, we've got the NBA playoffs rolling along here. Uh, let's start in the West. We've got some interesting series out there. Where do we stand present day? Right now, Utah has a 2 1 lead over the Clippers. Let's just break this down matchup by matchup. What do you like right now from the Jazz, and what do you like from the Clippers? What do you, Who do you think is going to prevail here? Yeah, I mean, the Jazz, honestly, are just... It, it wasn't so much in Game 3, but the Jazz are just so much fun to watch. The way they share the basketball, and the way they shoot it from 3. You know, usually teams live and die by the 3, and, and, and you see it burn out. And it's, it especially happens in college, but to watch an NBA team average 16, 17, 18 threes made per game is spectacular, and it's fun to watch. they got a lot of guys, Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, Donovan Mitchell's been spectacular. I'm not going to go the Stephen A route and say he's better than Malone and Stockton yet. Uh, let the dude get some get some legs underneath them. Um, but Mike Conley's out, you know, so that's a big piece. Royce O'Neal, you, t- you just keep going through the list of guys that can shoot it. Joe Ingles, the English teacher, you know, he, Jordan he's Clarkson, fantastic. Jordan Clarkson, a bunch of guys. Yeah, we mentioned Jordan Clarkson just... just a lot of shooters on that team, and then you've got Gobert in the middle. Now, the Clippers are down one game right now after three, but what's interesting is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George average exactly the same stats of 26 points per game, 7.7 rebounds, and 4.3 assists per game. Do you think it's a problem? They have two perennial all-stars you could give them the name of that do the exact same thing, or there are not enough playmakers, in essence, for this Clippers team to go far? You know, these... These superstars are really interesting, and I and I think they fit the team because they never get held to the expectations of those around them. They never get Have held. To speak on the Clippers, right? They <laughs> they never get held to the Clippers are never held to the same standards Ever. the Lakers are. Kawhi Leonard is never held to the same standards LeBron James is or Kevin Durant is. Even Paul George to Anthony Davis is Even, that number two, and and they are never held to the same standard. Kawhi Leonard used to be the best two-way player in basketball, and now he is the best two-way player in basketball when he wants to be. 
And if we are looking for superstars and all-time greats, you don't just get to flip the switch. That's not how this works. You don't just get to choose when you want to be great, especially coming from a fanboy in Skip Bayless who was a Michael Jordan fan, covered Michael Jordan. I don't think Michael Jordan ever did things like that. Michael played through injury, played tired, played 46 minutes a night. Kawhi just, for whatever reason, can't get there. He's he's at a solid 38, 40 minutes a game in the postseason. Imagine, imagine Kevin Durant playing only 38 minutes. Imagine LeBron only playing 38 minutes. This is what I'm talking about. These I mean, you guys, might dial it down now that LeBron's older, but right. in his peak, no. These guys love being talked about with those upper echelon guys, but hate being held to the same standard. So, but I will tell you, listen, Paul George finally got tired. It seemed like in game three at a 30-point game. Finally got tired of getting called out, right? At a certain point, it's about your pride. Like, he... He just he was awful efficient efficiency wise in the first two games, and here he comes finally with the entire world avalanching on him. Finally, turns around and has a good one, right? Oh well, here's another stat for you in this series: Kawhi Leonard in the fourth quarter of Clippers wins strictly wins right. in the playoffs. Forty three minutes, forty three points, perfect shooting, sixteen of sixteen field goals, four for four from three, seven of seven free throws. Is there another? mode that Paul George needs to go to, not Kawhi, that Paul George needs to go to in the fourth quarter for them to be successful. I feel like even though Kawhi is, yes, giving his all in the last quarter, where is Paul George in this? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think I think the way this team is built and the dynamic with this team, Paul George is the guy that gets them there, and Kawhi is the guy that takes them home. Paul George plays the entire second half. That is what Ty Lewis said you have to do. He's playing 44 minutes a game plus in the postseason. That's Paul George's role, and whether he likes it or not, if he can excel at it, it seems like Kawhi can close the deal pretty good, uh, at least according to those stats. Now, in their losses, he's horrific in the final quarter. Yep. I'm sure I don't I don't even have the stats in front of me, but he is horrific when, when they lose. So it, this is really the balance of Paul George got to get him there, and Kawhi's got to take him home. And it's honestly a balance that you don't want to rely too heavily on as you make your way further and further into the playoffs because you never know when someone's going to have a truly cold night. But we're moving on in the West Division. We have the Suns with a big 3-0 lead over the Nuggets, which is kind of surprising. The Suns team was favored to lose in the first round to the seven-seed Lakers. They're making all the experts and analysts shut their mouth. What do we like here? Who do we got advancing? Well, I got to tell you, I, I still, and there are a lot of people that believe this, with Anthony Davis healthy, the Lakers likely win game four. Short season, go up, short offseason. Go up 3-1, and then at that point, you would imagine LeBron would close the deal. Now, that didn't happen, and here the Suns are. And, and Chris Paul is getting healthier and healthier, as we've seen so far, it looks like. And listen, I thought, could the Suns take the first two at home? Yeah. Did I expect them to come get Game 3 on the road in Denver? I thought it was a much taller task. DeAndre Ayton is playing terrific. He's not out... I heard this on, on one of the sports talk shows. He's not outplaying Nikola Jokic, but he's making it close enough for it to basically cancel each other out. It's a great point. And, and when Nikola Jokic is the MVP, that can't be the case. You, can, you, you should be so far and above the guy across from you that it that it's just remarkable. Now I know Jokic went for 32, 20, and 10 in the last game, which is just a stupid stat line, by the way. 
and Jamal Murray's hurt, and uh, there, you know, Michael Porter Jr. hasn't been as consistent as they want him to be. Aaron Gordon, I still think, is trying to find his way. I want to see him develop his jump shot more. If he can be that stretch four, he's going to be massive for that team because I think he's an upgrade over Paul Millsap. Um, but this Suns team is really fun to watch. It really is. Devin Booker is fun to watch. And he is he's electric. DeAndre Ayton is electric. They get out in transition. Cam, Cameron Payne has been great. Torrey Craig has been unbelievable. Mikhail Bridges has been great. And and again, we mentioned DeAndre Ayton. And, and very much like the Clippers, where it's mostly Paul George has got to get them there. The team has to get it to the fourth quarter, and that's where Chris Paul takes over. And I believe in this series in the fourth quarter, he's missed maybe once. Uh, he's perfect from downtown. He's missed one from the field. He's just been sensational. And the most important part, Jolan, he doesn't turn the basketball over. And that is what keeps them in every game with key possessions coming down the stretch every single game. I don't know if they sweep. But they obviously nobody's come back from 3-0 before. Uh, they will be moving on to the Western Conference Finals, and Phoenix should be celebrating. Now, all business aside in the playoffs right now, let's just talk about the Suns specifically. Yep, a 28 and 27 outing from Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Like, where is this team's future going? Because even up 3-0, I don't think I'm entirely sold on this team being the championship team. How big is their window, and like, what pieces do they need to really get them over that hump? Well, their window is going to depend on whether Chris Paul, which all signs are pointing to, he's going to opt out. But the big question is, how much is he going to sign on Commanding for? Commanding $20 million Right. Year. What is he going to sign on for? Can you afford to keep everybody? You know, even a guy like Jay Crowder, where I'm not a huge Jay Crowder fan. But he's, he's, a, he's, he, he's been bullied by LeBron his whole life. But, you know, again, he's a suitable player that can knock down a jump shot, you know, pretty consistently. Um, you know, so the makeup of this team, you know, you'd really have to dig deeper. Uh, you know, the West is so good. So I think when you talk windows, I don't think we're talking dynasties here, especially in the West. Now, the East, when we start talking about Brooklyn and if and when healthy, you know, now I think you could start talking dynasty there. Three, but in four terms year of, actual window. Right. In terms of teams getting out of the West, this has got to be one of Phoenix's best chances, right? Like, it has to be. They're a great road team because they have Chris Paul. So, you wonder, just just say, you know, and again, we said they'll advance because nobody's come back from 3-0 before. So, you look at it. They play the Clippers, right? If they go up 2-0, Dallas doesn't have that doesn't have that veteran presence. Luka is an is emerging superstar. He's there, but he's not that veteran guy. You look at a team like the Utah Jazz, who their leader is Donovan Mitchell, who's a younger guy. And But now, say you went into the Phoenix series and the Clippers get down 2-0, you've got the veteran in Chris Paul that when the Clippers punch back, can stop. Put his foot and on the they brakes. Quai always does down to right, and he can put his foot on the brakes and say, "Whoa, hold on, we're gonna take one of these games on the road, go home up three-one, and try to close this thing out." Because they are a great home team, and that atmosphere, by the way, in Phoenix is unbelievable, unbelievable. A bucket list of mine is to go to a Phoenix Suns playoff game 
because that place looks electric. I mean, and Phoenix hasn't been this good since, what, the Steve Nash days? Yeah, you're talking era? about, what is that? Is that 2006, 07, yeah. yeah, around that era. And honestly, th- this whole Chris Paul thing in the fourth quarter alone, because I'm a fourth quarter guy in closeouts, 30 points, 12 of 13 field goal, three, um, 4 of 4 from 3 point, and there 8 assists, plus 20 for Chris Paul. It almost makes you wonder, like, imagine the league didn't beat up that Lakers trade. And how many hey, more he, rings Kobe might have had? With Kobe, that would oh, been that would have been something. We move on to the East. Well, Bo- we hold on. We got the one cool thing about Devin Booker. We learned Whoa. this week. Well, LeBron James is now changing his number from twenty three to six. Yes, sir. And Devin Booker, we saw it after they eliminated the Lakers. He now has the last number twenty three jersey worn, game worn by LeBron James. Because he's not LeBron's not going to sit here and keep flip flopping back and forth. This he's going to stay six the rest yep. of his life. Or the rest of his career, I should say. So, you know, that's a cool thing for Devin Booker to have. Uh, hopefully he keeps it. Hopefully he's got security on it. But uh, let's go to another series in the East where there was some security scuffling Uh-oh. in Game 3. Yeah, so uh, Eastern matchup, Brooklyn's up 2-1 on the Bucks, But I'm pretty sure it was P.J. Tucker and Kevin Durant in Game 3 got into a little scuffle where Kevin Durant's personal security guard stepped onto the court, gave P.J. Tucker a little... Push the he shove. Sho- oh, he shoved him. Yeah, I mean, he got it him. was a breakup. He I'm got a man. him pretty. De- he came in with the PJ shoulder. A man. Listen, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, and and they it was funny because on the telecast they said, "Oh, PJ Tucker's yelling at Kyrie now," and I'm like, "He's yelling at that security guard because that dude came out of nowhere." Yes. And I didn't know when when obviously he got punished. So they said he couldn't he couldn't be there in Milwaukee. Or, he can't, he can't be, be on Milwaukee the floor. Games. Right. He can't be in Milwaukee games. And he can't be on the floor when they go to Brooklyn. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wait a minute. These, I thought all these different teams have their own security. Nope. But then I re- then I was told that that's Kevin Durant's personal security guard who works for the Nets. So he did what he was supposed to do in protecting Kevin Durant. But not during game. Didn't do it in terms of his job for the Nets. That is a failure of your job. So, and listen, I thought P.J. Tucker had every right to be upset. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know what the audio sounded like there, but when you see Kevin Durant snap around like that, something just tells you somebody called him a snake. No, nah, like, so what just, happened? I'm just pretty feel, sure it just feels like that. I'm pretty sure he called him a sellout. Like, like you're a sellout. sellout. Snake. Yeah, you're a sellout. Yeah. Like, you, no real rings type yeah. of deal. But yeah, it was quoted that he said something along those lines to the point where Kevin Durant was like, "Yeah, what have you won in this league?" And then it was all the the whole scuffle of that. Oh, and I love it. I yeah. love it. It's I mean, playoff basketball. You gotta respect Kevin Durant too because he's one of those few superstars that you actually get an in depth personality look. I know LeBron's this big screen now, LA, movies, Miami, Cleveland. You only see a certain side of LeBron. His family knows him as something different. Right. We kind of all know the real Kevin Durant. So yeah. it's cool to see. And and, it, and again, it comes to a positive light in some scenarios and comes to a negative light in others. And, and, and I think there there is no discussing that. Transparency can both be a very good thing and a very dangerous thing, both at the same time. And so we, we see, you're right, we see a very transparent side of Kevin Durant that we don't see from other superstars. And because a lot of it revolves around social media, I think that's kind of where the backlash comes from. Like, dude, get back to the gym, you know, or something like that. And... And it, I think that's that's the kind of reputation it gets. So back to the actual series, the Bucks obviously are down one game after three. 
But the Bucks won a tr- uh, awful, awful game across the board. Anyone who watched that game that night, I mean, was, if you like defense, like, but it was pretty good. But for ratings <laughs> aside, it was it was a poor game. It was a very oh, yeah. poor game. I mean, eighty six, eighty three. Do you think Kevin Durant's flustered and his outbreak during that game against PJ Tucker is gonna put him in a slump, or is it one game? No, I think it's one game, and and again, like, but this is this is the whole thing. You know, everybody says all these stats about the Nets and how poorly they shot, second-worst field goal percentage of the entire year, lowest amount of points. Teams do hit bad slums where right. it extends periods that, of games. That'll, that'll never happen again. I'll tell you, <laughs> the, I'll tell you, the Bucks are due for a three-point explosion. They've been shooting the ball awfully from downtown. I mean, that team's just... I mean, again, Giannis aside, because Giannis, it, Giannis shooting bad from downtown is not an anomaly. It's a regular... But the rest of the team shooting bad from downtown is an anomaly. Drew Holiday, that Chris team, Middleton. That team can shoot it. That team can light up the scoreboard to the likes of 18, 19, 20, 23s made. And to be fair, they were hired to do that. Right. Giannis needs 3 and D guys around him. Right. It's just what the formula is. And if they do that in game four, like they're due for one of these massive explosions of like 120 points. Now, do they get it in game four? Honestly, can't tell you. Jeff Green is a game-time decision uh, in Game 4. James Harden is still out with the hamstring injury. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie might come back uh, if and when the Nets reach the finals. And, uh, boy, what a story that would be. So let's just get into the Nets. We talked a lot about the Bucks yep. right now. Harden's absence, you had already glossed over it. How concerning is Harden's absence now that it's extended three games? Excuse me, And will it be a factor if they make the finals without Harden? Do you think they inevitably fall if Harden's not there. I don't. I don't. The talent on this team, I think KD and Kyrie can can and would have won a title together with this current roster Without Harden. Har- with, Harden without Harden, that's correct. Now, it would have been tougher. It would have been the one, it, it would have been the moment to me where Kevin Durant gets his, you know, as LeBron said it last year after his championship, his damn respect. But I think, didn't get that to Cleveland, right? It, you know, and even then, you still get people that discredit it all the time. But you know, I think that's just nonsense. That I point. think when you <laughs> add Harden into the mix, there's this cloud of like, bruh, like come Again? on, now. like be be real about this. James Harden doesn't have to play for them to be successful. That's the sickening part. If you're anybody other than a Brooklyn fan, he does not have to play for this team to be overwhelmingly great. And yet, when he's in there, it is a different team. It is it's the nineteen to four against the Celtics. It's the four or five consecutive threes in Game Five of that series against the Celtics. It is Jason Tatum is only one on that team, right? No Jalen Brown, <laughs> and it's and it's just <laughs> magical. So, is Harden important? Obviously, has he been the most important net this up to this point? Yeah, and do I think they struggle a little bit more? To win a title without him, maybe, yeah, probably. But am I concerned that they that they won't win it? No. Let's move on to teams that actually do need their individual superstars. 76ers are up 2-1 on the Atlanta Hawks. Embiid, although he has a meniscus injury, is playing great. But let's talk about the Hawks right now. How important is Trey Young to this team, to this culture, to this city? And what pieces do they, do they need around him? For them to be successful in the future, because I know it's not going to happen this year. Right, it's vital. He is vital to that team. He is the heartbeat to that team. He is the soul of that team. Now, what he needs around him is 
basically what he's got now, and that's a bunch of shooters and a big that loves the pick and roll. Now, they are not hitting the shots they were in round one against the Knicks, in game one against the Sixers where they, where they stole that game. They are not hitting the shots at those pace, paces. Now, part of that is law of large numbers says you're going to come back to the average. And two, they're just not as open. They're just not as open of shots as they were uh, back when they were playing the Knicks or in game one. Credit to the 76ers. And again, right, credit to their defense. Doc Rivers has got that team playing defensively fantastic. Ben Simmons, I think, got a chip on his shoulder. First of all, because he's a non-offensive threat. They, they've done hack-a-ben. <laughs> a non-offensive threat. They have done, they have done hack-a-ben every playoff game I've watched. And... You know, now now you're and I think he's got a chip on his shoulder because he thinks he should have won defensive player of the year. And we know that went to Rudy Gobert, but I'm sure Ben Simmons thought he should have won it. And Joel Embiid, again, we talked about it, Joel, on the the way you play through a meniscus tear is pain tolerance. It's what are you willing to go through to get to where you want to go? And let's be let's be point blank clear about this. He will have surgery at some point after yes. season. It's yes, now a matter of how bad that's going to be. Correct. And again, like I said, oftentimes that uh, the discussion around a meniscus tear is not if you're having surgery, it's which kind of surgery you're having, and then how long you're going to w- wait for. Right. It. And they don't even know real most of the time. They don't really know until they get in there um but again credit to them danny green's been playing well seth curry's been playing well uh haven't heard too much of an explosion from tobias harris but that could be coming now let's talk about the 76ers and really break them down and get deep into this team because we were talking about them and the way they were structurally run beforehand and bead your guy do you move on from ben simmons is his lack of jump shot and lack of offense a legitimate problem to where this team's future is. I think you got to find another wing guy that's 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 a long defender like Ben Simmons. Um, but I mean, if you know, I mean, again, like ninety-five percent of guys have a more offensive prowess than Ben Simmons. But you know, so if you can find that long, lanky guy who maybe can stretch the floor, I would I would consider moving on from Ben. Sim- I'm not going to move on. From Ben Simmons for like Boban Marjanovic, no, like understandable, you know. But and no, I love Boban, but no, no disrespect there. But you know, like, hey, another another wing defender, you know, another guy that can guard all five positions. I would, I would highly consider it. Is this a team? Do you think that really, really goes out this off season and brings in everything they can? Because I don't think. How how healthy do you think Embiid's going to be over the next five or six years? I mean, how healthy has he been? Exactly. Right. So you know, the window's gonna, small. He's going to sustain a decently major injury every year. Uh, you know, that's a, a slightly below major. And that's just um, facts and, of what's happened. Not yeah. wishing anything upon anyone. No, 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 no. Would never. Yeah. Uh, but that's just the reality. You kind of have to plan going into the season that that's going to happen. So now, even though the Nets are still stacked, it's the 76ers' chance to really. Go out and get pieces? Yeah, I mean, they could go out and get pieces all they want, but if Harden, Durant, and Kyrie stay together, <laughs> I mean, good luck. Joe Harris is locked in there. Uh, Jeff Green, I'm sure, will come back on a cheap contract. Bruce Brown's on a contract, although they might be, you know, booing him all the way back to Brooklyn. Um, you know, like Spencer Dinwiddie's still under contract. They got all these guys that are still under contract, and they don't even really have a big, honestly. Like, they have Blake Griffin, and Blake Griffin has turned into, like, 2014 Blake Griffin. Yeah. That was, like, Lob City he dunking over cars. He played the Pistons bad. Yo, oh, and, and again, that's 
they've got two guys that quit on franchises this year uh, completely, and, and Blake's was worse than Harden's because Blake's been doing it for like three years. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> That's kinda, so true. Kind of messed up when you think about it, but I would expect them to go get a big man. But as long as those three are together, at six you can get whoever they want. Six is a viable per, um, team for the title this year or no? I don't think so. I don't think I still think it's the Nets, um, but again we'll see how health plays and but they'll let Embiid get his and, and and I think they'll shut everybody else down. And yeah, as basketball continues, we will keep you up to date. And but now we roll into the MLB goose. Yeah, I mean it's been a it's been a wild week. The Mets have been rolling here. Um, you know, Jolan, I know Jacob Degrom has been on the hill. Marcus Stroman has been on the hill. And Taiwan Walker looks like the third ace right now. He's been stellar all year long. No Syndergaard. No Syndergaard until at minimum August. Minimum August. I don't think he'll start throwing until the beginning of August. I think the actual realistic window is beginning of September. So if the team's doing well, it's going to be big. But at this point, you question if you even want to send him which into be, the postseason. Which would be one heck of a September call-up. You yeah. Know, usually it's some like minor league guy that's been playing well all year. Some Kalnick that you should because your team's bad. This would just be some jack dude with a nickname Thor, like you know, and with playoff experience. So you're right. I think that if they're in position, they'll push for that time frame. I think I think that's a pretty realistic time frame. Uh, obviously, unless there's another setback. If there's another setback, I think he's done for the entire year. Uh, and see you, see you the following year. But I think you know again. The the thing about this Mets team, John, they're not even healthy yet. They're really not. When you look at it up and down that roster, they're not healthy. Now, let's just talk about the Mets' future outlook after this year because, unfortunately, as well as we're playing, there's always something to look forward to. There's not enough money to re-sign everybody here, so I'm going to give you a couple players. Pick two of the five I give you to re-sign, and three you should walk. Noah Syndergaard, Tejon Walker, Conforto, Nemo, J.D. Davis. All right, so I think... Got two pitchers, three position players, yeah, a lot I, of everything. I think you'll let Conforto go. Dang. I think he's one of them. I would say, oh, man, if you're cutting my arm off about it, I would probably have to let Cindergard walk. Dang. But I... That's how I, I was I, that's how I Honestly, I'm that... That's tricky, though, because I, I do think they could have enough money, especially if he doesn't come back this year. I mean, year. we do have enough money, but yeah, cap, I mean, cap luxury. Yeah, there's no real cap. I, <laughs> Not you know, anymore. Listen, if there's success this year, I think Stevie Cohen's going to break the bank even more than he did this year yep. just to keep this team rolling and try to get a World Series in. And so, you know, again, like, and, and if Nimmo and Jay, it would probably have to be J.D. Davis that would go. When you look at it, because I think you can bring back guys like uh, Pilar and VR, because they've been absolutely awesome. ridiculous. Yep, absolutely ridiculous, and they're going to be a hell of a lot. That's cheaper. more of like guys that are on the mess that I have real, real like sentimental value yeah. for that might not be there. Now. And I mean, like, Pilar taking the ninety-five mile an hour to the nose, like I mean that coming you know, back the with the ultimate respect. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I think, yeah, it would be Davis Conforto, and if I had to, if I had to. If I had to kick out another one, it'd probably be Cindergard. Uh, but again, like there's a long, long way to go in this season for Taiwan Walker to be to flip that script, or for Noah Cindergard to come back in September and me change my mind. Let's go from the future of what baseball might look like to baseball right now. Are the Mets just fortunate to be in a terrible National League East, or is this team actual contenders 
And now we're on the verge of sweeping the Padres this weekend. Let's talk. I I think this team is set up for success in the immediate future. Find wood. I think. Knock on it. Right. And I, you know, again, I say this obviously sitting here in, you know, the second week in June. But I will tell you this. You can credit the horrible division all you want. The Mets have played guys that I can't even pronounce their name. <laughs> they Those guys have played this year. And I think, what's the one guy's name? Johnswee? Johnswee Vargas or something like that? Oh, like, yeah. They've had some, like, ridiculous dudes. Billy McKinney, who the hell knew of Billy McKinney? McKinney's actually been playing and very well. And he's been terrific. Yep. And But this is what Almost I'm saying. Almost playing himself into a contract situation. Right. And these guys, this is what I'm saying. You're getting a you're getting a, a borderline reserve team to play this well, and you're not even fully healthy yet. Now, again, I wouldn't rely on Carlos Carrasco coming back necessarily in Thor, you know, but again, that's what they make the trade deadline for. And you've got all these guys that are injured, Conforto, Nimmo, uh, Lugo just got back, you, uh, J.D. Davis is still hurt. It's a you lot know, of question marks. It's crazy. But that's the bright side if you're the Mets. You have done this while hitting lightning in a bottle and finding ways to win. That's what great teams do, Joel. And that has been, since I began playing sports, is one thing I've always been told. Great teams find ways to win, and awful teams find ways to lose. The Mets so far this year have found ways to win, and we'll see if that continues. I'm excited for the near future. I can't wait to get back to City Field. I got to watch DeGrom pitch at least once in my life. And uh, listen, I would back up the Brinks trucks to his house this offseason too. Uh, so don't, don't you worry about that. But I think the Mets right now, I, I look at them as contenders to get to the postseason. I'm not going World Series yet, but I will say they look like early contenders to make a postseason run. And I would be very excited. And the way that top, part of the staff is pitching, John, because we know once you get in the postseason, guys go on three days rest, two days rest, whatever. The top of that rotation with DeGrom, Stroman, and Walker has been unbelievable for this team, and they've matched up well against some of the better teams in the league, like the Padres so far this year. They've done a great job. So the Mets, I think, are in position right now to make a run in the postseason, and we'll obviously see how when they get healthier, how that affects the team chemistry. Yeah, so what was the stats on um, ERA plus for DeGrom this year so far? So, <laughs> so uh, by the way, Jacob DeGrom just having an absolutely stellar year. Again, ERA is .56, the lowest through uh, first 10 starts of a season since ERA became a stat. 1913. Right. He has more RBIs now than he does earned runs allowed. He, uh, he's got, I think he's got some of the most strikeouts in the fur in the fewest innings to start a year, it's just unbelievable. So it, when you look at ERA plus, John, which accounts for ballpark and, and all that good stuff, league average, baseball, league average uh, is a hundred. Baseball hitters going against. League average is a hundred. A good score is hundred twenty-five. The best in modern era was Pedro Martinez in two thousand at two ninety-one, which is a fantastic year. I actually alluded it to it last year. You know where Jacob Degrom sits. Week. 689. 689. That's 
That's ridiculous. And he, that like is you said, absurd. Even the highest of numbers will fall to average. Even the average is going to blow away what's going on right now. I think his his career ERA plus is the most in Major League Baseball history, and his, that's like they've been doing that going back for a bunch of people. He's got the highest in Major League Baseball history. He is stupid good. He both, you know, these guys look like minor leaguers when they're out there playing with him. And you just love to watch it, Joel. So I want to get to the ballpark when Jacob Degrom is pitching because that's got to be an it's, absolute electric factor. And we had t- mentioned it before. This is now not just possibly the greatest peak of pitcher in baseball history. It's very, very fun to watch. Let's go from one side or one borough to another borough. Let's talk the Yankees a little bit. A lot, a lot of talk about pitchers, not Degrom, using some substances around the league. Garrett Cole's been in the spotlight. What do you know about that, and how has it affected pitchers across the league? Right, and there, there's been talk about the Grom because somebody took a still action photo shot of him touching his glove and was like, "Oh, fixing his belt." Give right. So, Garrett Cole had. Did you watch his press conference this past yeah, week? Yeah, that's what I'm alluding to. That was to. the most awkward thing I've ever watched in my life. There's a lot of news he, on the Yankees in an anchor. He basically <laughs> got asked if he cheated. And he said, uh, uh, I I don't know how to answer that. Well, if I cheated, everyone cheats. But he, right. everyone does cheat, kind of. Right, <laughs> and then he's like, well, a lot of things got passed down from... They cheated too. Bro, like, what? <laughs> wait, wait a minute, hold on. Like, you couldn't have handled this more poorly. It's like, because Tony, who's that one dude? Tony Malavich or whatever, the Green Bay Packers steroid user. Oh, and it's terrible in the, in the middle of the five um, Hall of Famers in the NFL yeah. draft. So if he's passing down steroids to his other people, yeah, he's going to take it. I, I just, <laughs> like, you know, see it's, how that just, goes. it's just one of those things. You, can't. My answer would not be, I don't know how to answer that. My answer would be, and by the way, in baseball, you've seen guys that cheat and later get found out to be wrong. Outright guilty. Right. They don't seem to get a punishment. So, you know, <laughs> what, what Garrett Cole, like, you know, this whole thing of like, what did you want him to do? Say he did it? What's the difference? The, the Astros cheated and they didn't get they didn't get penalized. So you know, and again, like it's just he. I I don't think he could have handled it more poorly. It was a bad look for Garrett Cole in that moment. So and then he went and pitched out well. Yeah. So away from the spotlight yeah. of the media, back to the actual mound. He does come out. He does do really well. He's on this big Yankees contract. They give out the contracts of the lifetime. If you're playing baseball. You want to sign a Yankees deal. He has this deal as a fan. I know we're not fans of the Yankees, yep. but from a fan's point of view, are you now concerned because he's had one good outing after all of this? I'm not. I'm not concerned about Garrett Cole. He'll make adjustments, and, and for the money you paid for him, you damn well hope he does. <laughs> right. You know, like, you, you really do hope so. And, I, you know, I just think he'll be fine. You know, he'll, he had the... When they announced the crackdown on it, he had the bad outing. He'd fight, give up five runs in the first, like, three or four innings. And, you know, but then he settled down after that awkward press conference. And he'll be fine. I'm not I'm not worried if I'm a fan of the Yankees. There is much other things I'd be concerned about if I'm a Yankee fan. Let's get into the, those concerns right now. Well, it's the lineup. And it's got it's got to be the lineup. It's going to be the hitting. It, it strikes out Which way too weird. much. We're having this conversation when pitching should have been the conversation of what the Yankees' preseason outlook looked like. Right, and I think that was the one of the bigger question marks because you were like, where are the holes on this team? Right, like this this offense. Yeah, they strike out a lot, but when they put the ball in play, it goes far. 
Yeah, but not <laughs> when the bases are loaded. When the bases are loaded, it goes right to the second baseman. They turn two and they're out of the inning. The Yankees, I believe, I believe the stat. I don't know if it's, I don't know the exact number, but they're all. I believe they're still over when their team scores five runs. Two for seventeen. Two for seventeen. Two for seventeen. Still not great. That's awful. That's still terrible. That is awful. And last week it was zero for seventeen. The, this past week they did it twice. So yeah, it was, they might be turning that a corner. Was un- well, no, they're <laughs> two for eighteen because last night oh, it was right. uh, eight to seven. You're right, two for eighteen. So when the team scores five runs, the Yankees are basically out of it. Accurate stats in the air that podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying date. up to date. But yeah, that the Yankees lineup is very concerning to me. I would I would love to hear uh, from guys like uh, guys like Moltner. Or a guy like Ryan Schaefer, a guy like Alex Bond, like those true Yankee fans would love to get them in here and just air it out. And because there, there is a lot. Like, listen, I, you know, you know, you know the doc. The doc is a Yankee fan too, and I've watched this man stress, and I can only imagine how it continues to grow as the calendar gets later. Do I still think they'll be fine? I do, uh, but it, we are in the middle of June, and we are starting to get to that time where. You better figure it out, or you got to make a move. And the reason they better figure it out is because they're currently in fourth place in the AL East. They're seven games back, and they're seven and a half games back right now. I'm pretty sure the Rays lead that division with the Red Sox being in second, and yeah, the Jays had just tied them seven and a half games back for third. I mean, this team's deep. When do you hit the panic button if you're a Yankee fan? I think probably a month. I I would likely hit it. See, this is the problem. Being a Met fan. I've seen teams come from nine games back at the beginning of September to beat the Mets, 08, True, 07, with the, early, with the Phillies. But this division's good. I want to see what the Yankees do at the trade deadline. What do they do? What do they address? And can they get guys going? DJ LeMayhew hit a game-tying home run to make it 7-7 uh, just the other day, and that was his first homer since, like, May 7th. Like that, and I know DJ's more of a contact guy, but that just can't happen. Like, he, he has paid $90 million to, to give you more than that. And when are the big dogs going to start eating? You know, Giancarlo's always hurt. Aaron Judge seems to be snapping out of his previous slump. So, you know, that may be a good sign. But they got to find ways to score runs. They've lost, I believe, 12 of their last 17 games. That can't happen with the talent that's on that roster. So- it can't. I'm watching the MLB Network the other day, and they were talking about the pine tars and stuff yeah. pitchers might use on baseballs, and they were really... MLB Network is very negative toward the game right now. They're really digging in there. Mad Dog Russo really digging in there. Yeah. What... do you Now, Bauer was the center of this. Now, I know pitchers Naturally. across the league are doing it. Do you think Bauer might be the scapegoat here because it generates more clicks, or is he one of the main, main users of this illegal substance that we don't know of. I think it's because he's got the loudest mouth. It's, I really It's do. one of those things, like, it, right? It's just one of those things. He puts himself in the spotlight more often than a lot of these other pitchers do, and I think that's why it comes... Like, Garrett Cole's only in the media... This is only a story because he's a Yankee pitcher. If he was a Minnesota Twins pitcher, like, nobody would care. Like, I... I, I fr- not that nobody would care, but it would be a lot less talked about... I, I doubt that that interview would have to be dug up by some statistician that's like looking on his 80th hour work of the week, and he's like digging around. He'd have to find it. But being a Yankee pitcher, but being Bauer, be, first of all, he's in LA, huge media market, and he puts himself out there more than any other pitcher, and 
oftentimes a lot more than any other player in the league. So I think I think that's yeah. I Baseball mean, needs an enemy kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, all sports need villains. Right. I think I think that we have. I think we'll do a segment on that at some point because villains are great, great. for for all major sports. Uh, individual team sports they're all great now where do you sit on this personally the whole cheating scandal even let's even go back to the sign stealing do you agree with sign stealing if pitchers were using substances do you agree with substances if batters using sign stealing or do you want to just throw everything up screw the rule book let everything roll my my favorite argument is well but everybody does the pine tar thing well that's great because we're seeing record lows of all this Chapman Nine pitches, four runs. You don't think there's something on that ball? We're we're seeing, we're seeing record lows in batting average and record highs in strikeouts across the league. So it's not just the Yankees that are struggling at the plate. Everybody's struggling at the plate. And what have all the major sports done to get their fans rejuvenated into the game? Help the offense. They've helped the offense. Major League Baseball is finally now doing that. The next step. I believe if there is a next step would be moving the mound back, and I don't I don't think that'll happen. But At that, least not that, for ten years. That would be realistically the next step to help the offense. Oh, we're not unquote. even talking ten feet. We're talking maybe two. Um, but this goes back. You know, you talk about a guy. You, you talk about guys like Bonds and Clemens, and, and all those guys now. Bonds post steroids because he was a Hall of Famer before. He then. was a Hall of Famer before, but even post steroids, you look at it. Listen, the commissioner of the league that allowed him to do that without punishing him is in the Hall of Fame, yet he's not. Right? So it, it's 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 very it's tricky. It it doesn't there's no consistency in my eyes in terms of like I said, Bud Selig allowed it to, and and God rest his soul, but they allowed steroids to happen. They knew everybody was doing it. Just as Rob Manfred right now knows 85% of his pitchers are using a substance. Now, Rob Manfred's not going to the Hall of Fame because Rob Manfred's... I, I'm not even going to go there. He has, he has a plentiful career left. We don't know that. We just don't like him I, here. <laughs> I, would, I do not like where his career is headed so far. But in terms of the sign stealing, now what the Astros did is awful. What happened, I believe, earlier in the season when somebody peeked back and saw this saw a sign? Yeah, that's sign stealing. But first of all, you got caught. Second, uh, you you got caught as as the catcher, like yeah. making it obvious. You're making exactly. And second of all, traditional catch. How the hell do you know what the signs are anyway? Every team's got their own signs. Every team should be mixing it up. Every team's got different different numbers on their hands. They've got different uh, Nail combos. Polish. Nail polish, maybe it's the second sign. You can switch all that stuff up. So the fact that you let a guy peek back and hit a home run, that's a problem. But, again, it's not something, personally, again, what the Astros did is way far and beyond wrong. It's not even close. But what what is going on here with the pine tar has clearly been made acceptable by the league. Right? Because you just keep hearing it while everybody does it. Okay, that doesn't make it right. One of the famous dad quotes is, "Well, if they all jumped off a bridge, would you do it too?" How high's the bridge, Dad? And you right. get smacked. <laughs> right, and you get smacked. <laughs> but you know, that's that's the you know everybody 
is just saying it's okay because nobody puni- nobody's punished for it. I think that's wrong. And again, like pitchers, like I want to see it the old-fashioned way. Stop using the pine tar. Go at hitters. Do your thing. Hitters, pimp your home runs. Pitchers, get mad about it. Stop throwing at guys. You know, like do all this stuff. Strike them out next time. Stop throwing at his head. You know, these all all these like weird rules with baseball, man. I got to tell you, it, it is it is very weird, and I could see why Major League Base, uh, why the MLB Network gets negative about the game because there's there's a lot there to be negative about. I think they've done a decent job this year in addressing some of those things, but they, it is crazy. So far and away, how would you change the game? To make you more productive, you mentioned something about helping the offense. Oh, home run where, derbies all day. Where do yeah? Where do we start to approach it? Because it feels like the only baseball fans left are really sports diehards, if you will. They watch a couple of sports, and then baseball's on during the spring and summer for them. Yeah. So where do we change the game now? Do we have to back up the mound? Do we have to juice the balls again? Where where are we here? Listen, you want fans back in the seats? You let them juice like Sosa and McGuire. <laughs> first of all, that documentary. Sad but true. That documentary on ESPN is terrific. But which one? Uh, the thirty for thirty on, oh, on that, the, on that know, summer. Yes, just yeah. that summer, yeah, the home run race. Mm-hmm. That was when baseball was at its peak because people love seeing the ball fly out of the ballpark. Now. What they don't like is seeing dudes strike out. So maybe it is a moving back of the mound. Maybe it is, you know, letting the dudes... Because, again, like, you could juice all you want. You're still going to hit the baseball. Like, yeah, once you hit it, it freaking goes farther. But, like, you still have to hit the baseball. Yeah. Like, that's a that's a difficult thing to do. So if Major League Baseball, you know, and, again, you know, kind of half-heartedly joking, you know, let steroids back in the game. You know, if pitchers are going to pine tar... Might as well let the hitters juice up a little bit. I mean, not even that. It's time for baseball players to start lifting more. Yeah. They gotta start looking like Stan. <laughs> yeah, not everybody lifts like Moneyball shows. So where are we with the rest of the world of sports, wrapping up the MLB? Yeah, I think, you know, the last thing I kind of want to finish on is uh, the Women's College World Series. Uh, we saw another huge step forward for them in viewership, and they just put on a terrific performance. James Madison University, uh, Odichi Alexander, their star pitcher, was just unbelievable and single-handedly just made the game more fun and enjoyable to watch. And the great part is we got to the championship series between Oklahoma and Florida State, and people were talking about, well, Oklahoma celebrates their home runs too much, and yada, 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 and and everybody's upset when people are doing well and they decide to say something about it instead of being quiet and going back to the dugout, shut up and dribble, you know, all that all that stuff. It, it's it's fun. And I and in, honestly, Jolan, I got to tell you, I don't watch much college women's uh, softball throughout the year. But I sure as heck watch the World Series because it is awesome. It's terrific, and now you get the the uh, the men's baseball. You know now they're going to go to they're in the super regionals. They're going to go to Omaha. You know here soon. That's going to be a lot of fun too. And you just love watching college kids compete because it's good to have sports. You back never for know when you're going to get big moments. And we saw it in Tennessee with the walk-off grand yes, slam. Sir. That was an unbelievable scene, let alone a hit. That that hits unbelievable. It's the only you dream of that all the Rocky time. Rocky Top was rocking. But Rocky Top was rocking. Fans are back. Fans are great. And you know the ones that aren't spitting and throwing popcorn and, and racial slurs, they're great. And it's great to have them back. And I just want to say thank you to all the fans. Thank you to the Women's College World Series. Although their final game three winner take all. 
Should not have been at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Should have been at 7 o'clock prime time. But that, again, is another move for the sport uh, to continue moving forward. Yeah, and just around the world of sports, we know the NHL playoffs are happening. We're not oblivious to them. We're just not the biggest hockey guys. But when the Stanley Cup Finals do start, we will update you on them. Game 1, Islanders-Tampa tonight. Um, Golden Knights-Canadians play, I'm pretty sure, tomorrow, 9 p.m. So... After the semifinals rounds, we'll get more into the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, the Islanders, just a great story. And Borelli's Restaurant. Vegas. Uh, Borelli's Restaurant is just a great story, too. Uh, Dave Portnoy of Barstool saved, helped save that restaurant with his uh, small business fund. And now it's just the ultimate watch party for any playoff game. So we'll get into this next week more. Yep. But how good is an expansion team for a league like the NHL? Vegas now... In the Stanley Cup semifinals again. Well, now Seattle's coming. Well, exactly. Seattle's so knocking on the door. So it's going to be good for leagues across the nation for the Vegas to possibly win it all. And it's good the Canadians finally get to leave Canada because they've been <laughs> locked in. The border has been closed for the longest time because of COVID. Uh, they are now traveling, and the first city they get to go to. Las Vegas. You gotta love it. Gotta love it. That's gonna do it here for episode fifty-one. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Goose on the Mic on both platforms. And uh, Jolon, where might the people be able to find you and or the podcast? You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Good Old Joel's. You can follow our Instagram at AirItOut.podcast and Twitter at Podcast Out. Any questions, some comments, concerns, or compliments, you could always reach us out at there. Like I said. More sports coming to you over the summer. More guests to be had. More baseball. More hockey soon. Football's right around the corner. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, Joel. I'm already thinking ahead to episode 52, the Clay Matthews episode. Uh, That sounds like a pretty good name. But uh, for the Dick Butkus and Bernie Williams and Ichiro and Randy Johnson episode. And until next week, Joel. Put it in the books. Rest in peace, the bird.